I'm beginning a series today called Peace Through Strength, and I want to take you back in time to 1980. Uh, President Ronald Reagan coined this phrase, peace through strength. As a matter of fact, they're going to show a picture with him in his first meeting with Soviet General Secretary Gorbachev uh, during the Geneva Summit in Switzerland. And uh, the reason that I'm naming this series after him is because the phrase peace through strength comes from him. As we all know, President Reagan uh, had an initiative and a foreign policy known as the Reagan Doctrine, which was simply to support freedom for people all around the world. What he did was he had a commitment of peace through strength that led to for the United States, for example, the modernization of our military to its utmost strength. As a matter of fact, during his administration, we added two active divisions and saw the development of a new, uh, a new uh, weapon system. It was called the, Strate the, the Strategic Defense Initiative, or I thought it was funny, he called it Star Wars. And what President Reagan is doing in that picture right there is he's meeting with Mr. Gorbachev. He was making it clear to the Russians and to, to that particular group of people that America was going to be strong that America was going to react to things in a place of strength, not in a place of weakness. And I like what he says here about it. He says, we know only too well that our war comes not when the forces of freedom are strong, but when they are weak. It's then when our tyrants are tempted. And ladies and gentlemen, I love that phraseology that he developed during this period of time in our history. As a matter of fact, history proved him right because he believed that the stronger America was, the stronger that communism in his own personal convictions would fall, and it eventually did. And how I relate that to you and I spiritually is I believe the same way. It's peace through strength spiritually. As it says over here in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse number 10, it makes this statement, ladies and gentlemen, that connects with this. It says, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Notice that command there in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, be strong in the Lord. It didn't say, be weak in the Lord. It said, what? be what? Strong. Everybody say strong. One more time. Strong. Strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Verse number 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the strategies or the plans or the purposes of the enemy. So what's he talking about here, ladies and gentlemen? He's talking about warfare. He's talking about you and I realizing what kind of situation we're in spiritually and physically. And he clarifies it in verse number 12 when he states this. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Again, people are not your enemy necessarily, but it's the forces that do influence people that are your enemy. And it's making it clear what we're to do here. And it goes on the rest of that chapter. It talks about taking on the whole armor of God. And what I want to bring to your attention today, and something the Lord strongly laid on my heart about being strong in the Lord, is the specific area concerning divine healing and divine health. For the last two years, we have fought a virus and a sickness and a disease that has robbed people of their health. It's robbed people of a lot of confusion and peace. And some people, unfortunately, have passed away because of this disease. And as a leader, as far as in this particular situation, as far as a minister and a pastor, I believe it's my responsibility to go back and share strength and peace that comes from knowing God's word about this situation. I think I've been hesitant to not to be as bold as I should be about this 
this message of health and healing uh, because of just the unknown that we've gone through over the last 24, 25 months now as we turned into a new year. But I'm really strongly convicted about what I know principally about the Word of God and about actually what God's Word says about health and healing. And I just want to take you on a quick journey. As a matter of fact, there are eight points. There's eight foundational scriptures here. Each, each point that I'm sharing actually could be a message within itself. So please pardon me for going through this fast. I know some of you have referred to the times past. Pastor Brian, you go through that material pretty fast. Well, I only have so many minutes and so many seconds and an opportunity to share with you. But I want you to know the conviction in my heart. I've readdressed this. I've, I've, I've come into 2022. Uh, I've had some personal challenges over the last 30 days and personal situations with my dad's homecoming, my dear friend Doug Weed right prior to that, and then a dear friend of mine that I grew up with in high school passed away and was buried yesterday. And man, just tired of uh, dealing with sickness and disease and made some personal convictions about these situations, not just in, in, in honor of them, but the pain that they went through personally. My dear friend who passed away yesterday, same age as I am, we were just months apart, had battled cancer for um, since 2014. And just uh, I was convicted in his death situation that, hey, even though he was a believer, he's gone on to be with the Lord. It's got God's will nor God's plan for somebody to die at 59 years old, also to die with a disease enraged your body and to see that precious wife and children left, you know, in the situation they're in. So I made some convictions here and I've turned the corner and, uh, you know, instead of being in reach minded and where the church situations are for most pastors is to bring people in and to help them personally. Personally, I do want to help you grow in the Lord. That's my whole desired mission. But also, I know if I could get you mobilized to get your mind on other things and other people, that does something far greater than you all the time thinking about yourself. And I, can I get a good amen on that one? <laughs> so, I mean, again, if you want a church where, you know, everything's about you, there's plenty of places out there. But I want to make it about we, the people that go out there and help those people, not about us people. But if we go help those people out there, then we'll be taken care of every single time. I guarantee that when you focus on helping others, God will focus on helping you. And uh, self-centeredness just is not attractive to me in, in anymore. I'm done with self-centeredness and self-focus and building a church or a ministry where it's all about if I can make people feel good about themselves and make them participate within an inward uh, environment and, and, and just make people you know happy about themselves in life, then I'm a pastor that's accomplished his mission. That's not true. Jesus was doing one thing when he launched his ministry. What was he doing, ladies and gentlemen? He was going. He was ministering. He was making things happen. And that ministry hasn't passed away. I mean, I know that a lot of pastors think that, you know, we, we need to uh, focus again on the, the positive messages of, of all the self-focus on helping people. That's true. Listen, I want the greatest you possible. But also, I want you to know that Jesus Christ has not changed his message because of COVID or who's in the White House or who's not in the White House. He is still in the healing ministry today. He still wants people healed. He's still hung on a cross as we go to Isaiah 53, and he bore the price of sin, sickness, and everything satanic. And I've about had enough of people dying under 50 years old or 60 years old. Enough is enough. People need to be living longer. I want to see people live to 100. And uh, anyway, I'm sorry to sound so mean about it, but I'm not mean about it. I'm just bold about the fact that, hey, God's will in, in Psalm 91 is long life, not short life. 
Amen. And a lot of pastors just sort of pull back because they don't understand the healing ministry of Jesus. But you know what? I'm not going to, uh, you know, let the, my not knowing everything hinder me from sharing what I do know. Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53. Notice what it says here. If you've never read the book of Isaiah 53, you really don't understand what the, the redemption of Jesus is all about. But for the sake of time, we're going to verse 4. Notice what it says, Isaiah 53. I'd encourage you to read this. It says it clearly about what Jesus has done for you and I. It says, he has borne our griefs, or the other word for griefs is the word sickness. So let's just put it in there correctly. He has borne our sickness, and for the word sorrow is pain. So notice what it correctly says. It says, he has borne our born our sickness and he has carried our pains and notice what it says he was smitten by God and afflicted he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our uh, uh, iniquities or sins the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we were healed notice that phrase we were healed and that didn't say anything about when we go to heaven. It says healing right now. Again, let's just make it clear from my position as a minister and as a believer. If Jesus only died for our sin, then why did he go through the painful death that he did? I just wish the Father would, if it was again about our sin, about going to heaven and spending eternity with him, then why didn't us throw a spear through his heart in the Garden of Gethsemane and then he died? I mean, he, pay, he paid a dear price from the, garden, from the garden to the Roman hall where he was beaten to that cross and that whole price he was paid for sickness and disease to be placed upon his body, as it says clearly in verses 4 and 5, to represent us, to represent our lives right now. Why are not people getting healed? I think it's the responsibility of my ministers and pastors like myself to teach and preach on healing. And that we have not done a good job with. I'll go ahead and take the, uh, the blunt for it. And, and in behalf of my brethren, as they call them, or the ministers that I'm associated with, 99.9% .9 of them will not touch the message of healing. They skirt around it. If someone gets sick in their church, yes, they will pray for them. But when it comes to boldly declaring the things I'm sharing with you just this morning and just these introductory statements, ladies and gentlemen, they're just not doing it anymore. And I'm, I'm grieved by it personally. I'm at the age now where I'm approaching 60 years old that I feel like I'm in a place of leadership that I want to say to my brethren, that I want to say to these co-leaders and to these co-laborers, hey, listen, either we're going to preach the whole word of God or we're not going to do, you know, you're just, you're not doing, you're not doing the right thing if you're not presenting all of it. Anyway, Isaiah 53 is the foundation. Let's go to the book of Acts. And the book of Acts to me captures the ministry of Jesus in motion. Jesus very clearly gave these men power and authority, and they went out in his name and his power, and look how they responded on a Sunday morning when they went to church. Acts chapter 3, notice what it says here. If our church was downtown, this would be a scenario for you and I to consider. I ministered a lot in churches that were downtown and in more uh, areas where more people were around them, such as buildings that are uh, bigger than this, not just in a neighborhood. And uh, look, where, look at this situation in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, And Peter and John went up to, to the gate of the temple at the uh, ninth hour, and a certain man, lamed in his mother's wombs, was carried out and laid, 
laid at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. And he was asking alms for them. So how many times have we ever seen and gone into a church situation, especially in a large church, maybe a church downtown in an area like this? I can remember going to certain churches like First Baptist Church and others in downtown areas I went to. And you would see people asking for money. Well, look what happens here in verse number 3. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the church, he asked them, he said, and notice what it says in verse 4, and fixing his eyes on him, he said to them, they said to him, as, he, as they were making contact, said, look at us. And look what it says in verse 5. And he gave attention to them, expecting to get money from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do give you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. Notice that. And what happens here? Look what it says. He took him by the right hand. He lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And so he began leaping, stood up and walked and entered in the temple with them, praising God. Isn't that awesome? So what, what's that say, Pastor Brian? That says that these two men were not focused on just going to church for themselves. They were focused on that when they walked in the door, they, were going, they, they saw somebody in need, and they didn't just give them a dollar or give them money. They gave them something greater. I mean, what, what's greater for this man, money or his body being restored? What's greater for a person who's dealing with things that are beyond money? It's the name and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whose power to heal is it? Is it yours? No, it's his. And they knew that what? What does it say? It says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, in the name that's above every name, in the power of who we represent, we're, we're commanding your body. We're talking to your body. We're grabbing you and saying, hey, get up and get out of that situation. You don't need money. You don't need gold from us. You need something greater than silver and gold. And look what happened. Look, that's the attitude we should have. That's the attitude we should have when somebody calls us and tells us we have COVID. Not sympathy, not pity, not doctrines of, you know, did you have a shot? Do you need a shot? Do you need a, this? I Listen, I am all for medical science. I'm all for helping people. I'll get you to the best doctor possible. But my platform for healing is not sympathy. My platform for healing is the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is greater than COVID. He is greater than any sickness or disease. What about people who died? What about them? I don't have the answer for that. But Jesus Christ has not changed. Cancer and COVID and whatever disease of hells out there is never greater than the fact that Jesus hung on a cross for the redemption of that. And I'm going to stand in that position. I'm going to believe God to the very end. And I want to see instead of my friend passing away who did not go to a church other than passively, who did not have a revelation of healing, who did not sit under a pastor who preached the fullness of God's word, I want to change and say, hey, every Everybody in the sound of my voice is going to know Jesus is a healer. Everybody in the sound of my voice is going to know that Jesus Christ has not changed and his mission to heal people is not different today than it was 2,000 years ago. And these seminaries, God help them that stand up there and teach that half of this book has passed away. Woe be to you. Because I'm about tired of telling people that half of this book has passed away. I am not going to do that. Because they want to be so proud in their intellectual and theological whatever. My God in heaven, Jesus Christ made it clear the moment that he was baptized in water, he was going to go out and do three things. He was going to teach, he was going to preach, and what's the third one? He was going to heal people. And that has not changed. 
It wasn't about this, all this intellectual garbage I hear from pastors today about teaching people how to walk through the book of Ephesians. Thank God for walking through the book of Ephesians, but I want to walk with a man who went out and healed people, helped people, and transformed people's lives. My God in heaven, when are you going to get this message right? It infuriates me, these pastors, and their passivity on preaching truth and power. It's like we just sort of cower down from the power of God and the presence of God. Jesus Christ is still the deliverer. I want to bring these people in who have problems with alcoholism and substance abuse, specifically chemical abuse, and say to, say to them, Jesus Christ will free you from that addiction. It is not the reasoning of man. It's not for me to give you 10 pills. It's not for me to pat you on the head and put you in this church and put you in a small group and put you around people that make you feel good. If you get one moment of encounter with the living God through the power of the Holy Spirit, he will set you free. And that freedom comes from him. That people that are dealing with all this temptation and all this perversion coming to them to know that one touch from the power of God, like these men that were experiencing in the book of Acts, the answer is not in Metroplex Family Church. The answer is not in who we are. The answer is in him. Somebody asked me the other day, how come your name's not on the new sign out front? Because this thing is not built on Brian Jacobs. It's not built on who I am. It's not built on my personality. I could care less about me. I am not the star of the show. He is. Excuse me for preaching this morning, but I had enough. I'm tired of all this. And the older I get, the dang madder I get about the fact (laughs) that we're sitting around and not doing anything about it. Enough is enough. And our answer is not who's in the White House. Our answer is who's in this house. And the presence of God in this house is the answer for America. And churches like this should be doing the same thing. My pastor friends need to preach the presence, the power, the passion of Jesus Christ. He is alive. And he is the one we focus on. And his name is the weapon that I want to use in my hands. Not, you know, ivermectin and all these other drugs. Thank God for medical science. Medical science has saved thousands and millions of believers. But I'm telling you what, the power of God will restore somebody's body far greater than any drug. And we want both, do we not? I mean, Luke, a physician, wrote the book of Acts. Shouldn't that not tell us something? Should that not wake us up? Hallelujah. Anyway, I'm sorry today for being, if you came in here for a nice pat you on the back message, you better go to another church. But if you want somebody to stir you up where you're charging hell instead of running from it, then you need to hang around me. Passivity is out the door because I'm concerned. If a fight you want is a fight you're going to get. But I want to raise up men who are like gladiators. I may not look like those guys in the movie, but I'll get there spiritually. But I want you to look that way in the name of Jesus Christ. And you two ladies. And it's time for the men to stand up instead of the ladies. Is it not? Come on, guys. Well, I ain't got time to read the Word. I've got to go out and make a living. Yeah, you need to make a living. But if you're strong in the Lord, you're much more attracted to that wife of yours than being, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, making a living, in my opinion. Anyway, I better move on. Good Lord. She's going to wonder, what is going on in there? <laughs> Look what it says in John chapter 16, verse 23. Oh, my gosh. I'm clearly off my outline today. John 16, 23. 
Anyway, this stuff's been brewing in me for 30 days, and so I'm just, you know, anyway, I've been preaching to my dog Pinkerton, but now I'm coming after you. <laughs> so he's filled with the Spirit. He is locked in and loaded. i tell you what, John 16, notice what it says in verse 23. John 16, 23. Look at this. This is Jesus' words, not Brian. He said, in that day, and that's right now, he said, most assuredly, you will ask anything, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you until you've asked nothing in my name. Ask that you will receive that your joy may be full. Listen, we need to not beg God. We just need to ask him and praise him. Ask him for these things. Lord, I thank you that you're a healer. I thank you that you're a redeemer. I thank you that you're the freedom. I thank you that you're the answer that I need. There's power in the name of Jesus. Notice the next one in the book of Matthew. As a matter of fact, if y'all don't mind showing all eight of these, if people want to take a picture of it. Notice what it says in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Notice what it says. And I appreciate the people in this church. Thank God for those especially that are watching online as well as people in this auditorium. We pray the prayer of agreement here. We pray in agreement But thank God we need to be reminded of what it says here in Matthew chapter 18, the power of agreement. Matthew 18, 19, notice what it says. This this, this is a powerful thing when it comes to our healing redemption. The name of Jesus, and it says right here in verse number 18, it says, I say to you, whatever you bind on the earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on the earth is loosed in heaven. Verse number 19, I say to you that if any two of you agree on earth concerning anything, they ask what? In whose name? In his name, it will be done for them by my Father, which is in heaven. The power of agreement, not the power of sympathy. The power of agreement. And agreement where, ladies and gentlemen? Agreement that we have medical treatment. Thank God for a medical treatment. Get to a good hospital. Get to a good doctor. I'll, I'll help you with that. But get to this platform. This is your healing. This is your supernatural peace. And again, please hear my heart, ladies and gentlemen. This whole message is for us to not become offensive but, I mean, become, excuse me, become, not become defensive when it comes to healing, but become offensive. If you're feeling good right now, if you have healing in your body, thank God for it. But stay that way. My dear friend, Pastor Krause, was diagnosed last Saturday with seven tumors in his back. He was here just two weeks ago. Not an indication in his body at all that that was going on. Not one indication. Then all of a sudden, seven tumors. Stage four cancer. What do you do in a situation? You step back, but thank God for Pastor Krause doing what I'm talking about because his body was being prepared already through a special diet that he was on that he launched the day before he was here, which is a vegan diet. Number two, he'd already continued to build good health in his body. The second thing, and number three, they feel like even though it is stage four, they feel like that those tumors are being attacked right now by his body and his immune system, as strong and healthy as it is, is, is in the natural doing its job. You know why? Because Pastor Cross continued through the years of being offensive. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. Most people, most believers, if not nine times out of ten, that at 73 years old, get a sentence like that, they die. This case, I think he's going to live. Now, I don't know everything. All I know is where we are as of this recording. But I'm telling you what, there's a when, you, when you're offensive instead of defensive, you are getting strong in the Lord. And to hear my heart, spiritual strength comes from consistency. Coming to church once every six months is not going to help you grow in the Lord. You say, Pastor Brian, I can watch it online. There's something about this atmosphere. 
Jonathan Moore and this worship team is not up here to entertain you. This is not a Bob Dylan concert. This is not a Metallica concert, okay? I know some churches I go to and been to in the past, I can't tell the difference with all the sound in the production, okay? It is it's to the point where it looks like a Kiss concert from the 1980s where we got lights moving all over the place and smoke and, and, and fog. I remember one church I visited one time from the pastor's office to get me to the platform, we had to have guys with flashlights because because it was so dark in there. You know, I remember those days when I was in the music business where they had to lead me to the, to the stage with, you know, lights like that. But this is a church, okay? Okay? And thank God for smoke and fog and lights, and I'm all for this, and I'm, I'm the chief component of wanting to have this. But it comes to a point where are we entertaining people or equipping people? I want to be entertaining people. I don't want to be equipping people. I am not your funny bunny entertainment group, okay? Pastor Dr. Feelgood, okay? I am pastor get your butt off the pew and do something about it kind of man, okay? If you want Pastor Feel Good, go on to the Feel Good's church and he'll make you feel good. But if you want somebody to kick you in the ASS, I'm your man. Spiritually speaking, I'm that kind of guy. I really am. I said, Pastor Brian, what has happened to you? Transformation. I've had a John Wayne moment. Enough is enough. And one of the dangerous things I am reading right now is a book by George Patton that my dad left me as a part of my gifts from him. And now I'm telling you what, George Patton was not a passive type of wimpy guy, was he not? If you study your history, he was a man's man. But he motivated people to fight the good fight. And we won our freedom in Germany in that time of America's challenges because of men like him. And I wanted to be said of Brian Jacobs. He wasn't a good, nice shepherd. I want to be that. I want to be the kindest man you've ever met in your life. But I also want to be the most motivating man in your life to motivate you to say, hey, Jesus Christ paid a price for me to walk in these things. And I'm going to walk in them. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> the next one is James 5. Notice what it says. It says the, the, the church leaders would anoint you with oil. One of the things we are going to practice more diligently in the days ahead, and, and even though we have to work with all the other things and we'll work with them, is the place where people can come to this church. And what does it say in James chapter 5, verse 15? Notice what it says. Um, excuse me, verse 14. It says, if anyone is sick, let them call upon the elders at Metroplex Family Church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith will do what? Save the sick. Notice what that says. It says the prayer of faith will do what? Save the sick. And the Lord will do what? Raise him up. Now, either God lied or this is the truth. I'm believing that it's the truth. And I want to see that happen in the days ahead, ladies and gentlemen. And I'd like to see everybody in the sound of my voice be called an elder at Metroplex Family Church because God put your hand on you so that you could be doing this. You say, Pastor Brian, I can't go do that kind of stuff. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you should be doing that. I'm scared to do that, Pastor Brian. That's your job. No, it's our job. It is we the people. Anyway, let me, let me move quickly to this. Uh, notice what it says here in the next one. Redemption belongs to us through communion. This is something we can all practice. John chapter 6, verse 53 through 56. Listen, everybody can help somebody have communion. If you need communion elements where you can go take them to somebody, we have plenty of those for you to take in there. Okay, I'll give you little communion elements, the little packet that it comes in. You said, Pastor Brian, me go to give somebody communion? Communion is a physical representation of, a, of what Jesus did for us spiritually. 
That's what it says here about communion here. John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 53. Or 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, Jesus speaking, has eternal life, and I will raise him up when? The last day. Not in heaven, it says in the last days. How many of us think it's the last days? I think we're pretty close, does it not? Verse number 55, my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, what? Abides in me and I in him. Isn't that awesome? The power of these elements in your hand, ladies and gentlemen. I've been taking now communion going on three years, every single day, without missing it. And I know it's powerful. And please hear my heart today, even though I'm sharing boldly, even though I'm sharing passively, my heart, my intention is to inspire and motivate you personally and individually with these powerful weapons, these powerful things, not only for the people around you, but your own family. Communion is a powerful thing. Listen, you don't need a degree in theology to understand everything. All you need is one word, availability. And then add another word to it, consistency. Just be who you are and understand who you are is special to God. Where you are spiritually is special to God. So what if you don't know everything? Praise the Lord. We're all growing. We're all learning. I love my fellow pastors out there. And I understand all the things they go through. But all I know is these precious tools and weapons and gifts that have been given to you and I are for a divine purpose and a divine reason. They've been given to us to do something about you were born for this generation. I was reading a documentary on Winston Churchill, another book from my dad. And uh, it's a very, uh, as you can tell, I'm a student of history in honor of him. But there was a phrase there that, that really convicted me that as, as with George Patton, Winston Churchill believed that he was, he was assigned, he was destined to be born in the generation that he was born in for a, for a reason. For a reason, I call it a divine purpose. He just called it for a specific reason, a specific purpose. And I think that's for you and I. You are strategically put in these end times, not just to go through life, but to make a divine difference, to make a divine mark, to be somebody special in the lives and the influence of the people around you and your children, your grandchildren, or whatever that may be, to be a person of influence. You say, Pastor Brian, I'm not famous. I don't have this. It's not about that. Fame does not make you special in the eyes of God. Availability does. Anyway, let's move along quickly and look at the others and just, again, understand some things. Over in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, please forgive me. I'm going through these fast, but again, we will look back at all these accordingly. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in verse number 7. This whole chapter talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Again, this is an area where you're going to see in the days ahead, we're going to look at doing an Acts 29 school, uh, school of the supernatural this year. We had a healing school, but I want to take that to the next level because I really believe that the manifestations of the presence and the power of God need to be studied more, communicated more, and shared more because it has not passed away. Contrary to what my brethren say, as we say, and contrary to not teaching and preaching about it, I want to be found faithful to share about it. I want to be faithful to proclaim it. And the Holy Spirit very clearly says here by the unction of the Apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit, he says in verse number, that's what it says, verse number seven, it says the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to each one of us to profit all. For one is given, these are the gifts of the Spirit, 
and again, I'm not here to go through those gifts, even though we could, and it could an entire message and series on. It says, one is given the word of wisdom through the Holy Spirit to another, the word of knowledge through the same Holy Spirit to another faith. This is verse nine by the Holy Spirit. Watch this in verse number nine. To another, the gifts of healing. Everybody say gifts of healing. Gifts of healing. The gifts of healing is not just something special even though it is to a select few, it's to, as it says clearly there in verse number 11, it says, but one and the same Holy Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit wants to give these gifts throughout the earth. You say doctors have the gift of healing. I don't know about that. Maybe they do in the natural, but I'm talking about the supernatural. The supernatural. The supernatural healing, it says the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to get away from that. I want to see that more. I want to study that more. And it's my job to proclaim that more. And so really, this Sunday, with all due respect, this is more of a vision Sunday than anything. I'm sure the vision of this church is the way I see it in the days ahead. The convictions I have, the things that I've gone through from one year going on to the next. And I'm not basing this on just what's happened to me in the last 30 days. These are things that have been me actually since the first day over in the parking lot and the Walmart parking lot when I heard on the radio the first announcement concerning the COVID situation. I'll never forget, I was in the parking lot at Walmart. It was raining that day, and there was the announcement of COVID and how it was just, you know, taking off and all these things were happening. I'm sitting in my car. It's right in my little, I was in a, a, a Toyota RAV, that white Toyota RAV I had. It was raining real hard, and then the announcement came on the radio, and I'm processing it, how churches are going to have to shut down, all this. Then all of a sudden, I mean, just out of nowhere, this, this Walmart parking lot, I mean, this uh, cart thing come way off this hill, comes right towards my RAV and hits my RAV in the side door. And I mean, pow, the impact of that thing, I'm thinking, wow, what a day this is. <laughs> Big old dent in my door and all that. And, uh, but I'll never forget that moment. Uh, I just didn't even get out of the car. I just drove off, drove, moved my vehicle. I said, and looked around to see if there was another cart <laughs> going to hit me. But my point with all that is that day until now, I, I've seen what has unfolded. And uh, I'm taking a new stance at these things. It's not a political stance. It's a word of God stance. It's not an emotional stance. It's not a stance of anything other than my foundation in the word of God and who I believe Jesus Christ is and how he has not changed. And lastly, his commission of these gifts of the Spirit is clean, clearly seen in the book of Acts. Not only began in the book of Acts, but they began prior to that in Mark chapter 16. And that's where I want to close today. Mark chapter 16. Notice what it says. Says here, Mark chapter 16 and Matthew, where Jesus outlines this ministry that I'm talking about, has been really what I call the great omission when it comes to the commandment of the Lord. But it's really, uh, it, it's, it's sad. It's, instead of it being an omission, it should be a commandment and something we should do. But again, the great commission has been the great omission. Mark chapter 16, notice what it says here. In verse number 17, notice this with me, ladies and gentlemen. It says, and these signs will follow those who what? Believe. Everybody say believe. These signs will follow those who believe. Now, there's a lot of people that love the Lord, but they're not believing. They're not. They're not believing at all. They have no belief in them. They have no belief system in them. They're sitting in churches right now, and I mean, they are just passive. They're getting preached uh, intellectual, intellectual, theological, historical, and eschatological things, and there's nothing wrong with that. Thank God. There are great seminaries, by the way. I know the discredit of some, but there are good seminaries, Liberty University and others. I could name plenty, 
but there are others that are not teaching and preaching. As a matter of fact, one seminary that I visited, I was in one of the rooms honoring the former professors there. They happened to have one of the Bibles that the professor uh, was teaching in, and I just lifted it up, and I thought, wow, look at all these notes in here. And, uh, you know, I just started reading through the notes, and I was getting ready to set it down. And when I set it down, it actually opened to Mark chapter 16. I thought, wow, look at these notes here. And then it read up above the top of the page here, and it went all the way down to this very verse I just read to you, verse number um, 17. He had a circle, and it read a note at the top. And he said, these things have passed away. Do not preach them in any, well, I can't name that well, I'll say it, in any SBC church. These things have passed away. Do not preach them in any SBC church. I'm thinking, wow, wow. So I stepped back from that. Being raised Southern Baptist, what have I been taught being raised Southern Baptist? I can see them all the time. The greats from Dr. Criswell, they hold their Bibles up and stand. I mean, you hear them all the time. This is the full counsel of the Word of God. How many of you have ever been Southern Baptist? You've heard them say that. Man, they can preach it. This is the Holy Bible. I believe every word in it from the front, from the front to the back. No, you don't. I walked out of that room and said, no, you don't, Mr. Leader. You do now, now that you're in heaven. <laughs> you know that, how can you sit there and say that this is not of God's word when it's in God's word, okay? It's like the, the Jehovah Witnesses. They knocked on my door the other day. Their little bicycles was out there. And Pinkerton's, shut up, Pinkerton, just get back for a second. Good Lord. Anyway, I, so I went out, you know, and anyway, they're out there. And they had they had their they have two Bibles, okay? They had the Bible that we have, and then they had their own Bible. Guess what? There's nothing to talk about. I said, I appreciate what y'all do. I admire what y'all do. But we have nothing to talk about. Well, we want to talk to you out of this book. I said, you could talk to me out of this book. But the book you're referring to, I cannot debate with you about that. Because that book is a doctrine of devils from hell. No, it's not. I said, yes, it is. It's written by a man. And I said, that's where my position is. I admire you riding your bicycle out here and doing what you're doing. But let me make it clear. If you want to talk about out of this book, we can talk all our day. But that book you're holding, written by Mr. Whoever of your, you know, I don't want to name his name necessarily, but you know who I'm talking about, Joseph Smith, okay, is written by him. This is written by, I believe, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have nothing to discuss. Plus, let's just get down to it. You don't believe Jesus Christ is Lord based on that book you have over there. This book says that he is Lord. That's our, that's our real difference. We don't deny the deity of Jesus. Yes, you do. It's clear that you do. And you're not representing him clearly. And we have nothing to discuss. If you want to discuss something out of this book, we'll be glad to discuss it. I said, you are a very moral and a good organization, morally speaking. But spiritually, that adding that other book is where we differ and disagree. And I handled it correctly. And they, they, just, they said, well, we just, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I said, well, we'll leave it at that. If you want to talk out of this book, I'll talk all day long. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going back to Mark. You thought I lost my place, but I'm going back to Mark 16. Notice what it says here as I close with this. I mean, again, that leader in the SBC said that this was omitted from the Bible. I don't, I don't see it like that. I see that this is a command, and Jesus said this, Mark 16, verse 17. He says, these signs will follow those who what? 
believe, notice that phrase, in my name, my authority, they will what? Have authority over demons or the devil. They will have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, which means praying in the Spirit. Verse 18, will they take up serpents? Will you go out and find snakes? But no, you will go out and not have anything hurt you because you're going in whose name? In Jesus' name. And what does it say there at the end? They will lay hands on the sick, and what will happen to those they lay hands on? They will recover. Let's get back to that. Let's don't ever lose sight of that. You say, Pastor Brian, I laid hands on somebody. I prayed with somebody. Somebody let me touch them on the shoulder. Great. And nothing happened. Listen, you are not the healer. I'm not the healer. Lord is the healer. But don't get away from believing that. And I know, I know, I know that people are saying, just like that leader in the SBC said that this passed away. But it did not pass away. If it did, we'd have to start ripping these pages out of the Bible. I'm not going to do that. Either I believe this was divinely put together for a purpose or we've got to quit. And walk away from it. I am convicted that these things have not passed away, but these things are evident. And notice what it says right here as I close with this. Uh, this, this, is, this is even more important. Verse 20. It says, after the Lord commanded these things, he said, they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming this word with accompanying signs. And that's what I want to see us have, this peace through this strength spiritually. To rest, and I, I'm telling you what, I've come to more peace about these things as you can see more conviction now than ever before, regardless of what my fellow minister prays, teaches, or proclaims. Listen, I love them. I'm going to have lunches with them. I'm going to have meetings with them. I'm going to have conversation with them, but I'm going to have these convictions strong in my heart. And we can do the Ronald Reagan thing, which I said earlier at the beginning of this message. We can simply disagree. We can agree to disagree, but I am going to stick to what I believe is right, and I want that for you, and I know the presence and power of God belongs to you and I. It's not for when we get to heaven. It's for right now. And I just want to encourage you to reread the book of Acts and to see the book of Acts in a fresh light because the days ahead, we need the supernatural ministry and the peace of God through this power of God stronger than ever. It's the answer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that what you started 2,000 years ago is the answer for America. It's the answer for the world. It's the answer for what we need here in Burleson and Johnson County. I pray for every person right now in the sound of my voice, especially those that are watching in this auditorium that are dealing with any kind of sickness or disease or infirmity of any capacity. We speak the name of Jesus, the authority in Jesus' name, and we take authority over those things, and we release in Jesus' name, not our name, not in the name of Metroplex, family church, but in the name of Jesus, the healing presence of God to flow over this auditorium, to flow over those watching right now in Jesus name. Lord, again, I thank you that we don't know all the answers. We may not have all the understanding, but we do know that you are Lord. You paid a dear price, and we seek first your kingdom, your righteousness, your way of doing and being. And I thank you for your mercy and your grace over all of us, Lord Jesus. For any area of our lives where we have not done the right thing, help us from this moment forward to do what's right in your name. Let's say this together, ladies and gentlemen, boldly, but with confidence and conviction. Say, in Jesus' name, I commit myself to be everything the Word of God says I should be. From this moment forward, no looking back, I commit myself to whatever God says I want to do whatever God has promised, I aggressively receive it from my life for others 
in honor of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you so much today for hearing my heart, hearing my compassion, hearing my passion. I really deeply appreciate you cheerleading me on and supporting me in this endeavor. I don't have all the answers. Please, I don't have all the answers. But I do have one thing. I do have a heart of sincerity and a heart of purity and the fact that I do want to honor the Lord. And I want so much that for your life. I know you're going through problems. I know you're going through pressures. I know you need answers. But let me tell you something. He's the answer, not me. Money's not the answer. He's the answer. Fame and fortune is not the answer. He's the answer. He is 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 the answer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That has not changed. And whatever you need today, I promise you, if you'll give him 20 minutes, you give him 40 minutes, you'll give him some time. If you'll read this book, starting with the book of Proverbs and the book of Psalms and turn to that beautiful New Testament and start looking at your Lord and Savior, he has not changed. He is sitting on the right hand of the Father. He is cheerleading you on. Heaven wants you to succeed, and I do too. And so do this church family. And we're going to make some adjustments and do some things in the days ahead to get more proficient in these things we sue see and do as far as God's word and not run from his presence but invite his presence and have his presence not only manifest here but his presence manifest wherever you're going including your home, your job or even in your car so that you can know that God is not only alive but he is a good God with good things join me on this journey together I promise you it'll change your life and change the lives of others and we'll keep you updated on these things if I could be of any service to those watching please contact me at metroplexfamilychurch.com we have plenty of resources to help you there thank God that the things we have especially the Bible reading program will help you to go through the New Testament efficiently and quickly and help you to grow and be everything God's called you to be in Jesus name